We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The Tyreek Hill blockbuster. That's what we're going to talk about today on Stealing Bananas. This is our first ever live Stealing Bananas. We decided we had to get Sean, who went full out in the in the Chiefs gear, live for his reaction. I'm Ben Gretsch. By my Substack at bengretsch.substack.com with me. As always, is Sean Siegel. Find all of his great work at Rotoviz. Sean, we were inevitably just going to riff back and forth this whole episode once we found out this news this morning. So we figured we might as well do it live, let people who might have some comments or some thoughts jump in. What is your initial big picture reaction from the Chiefs perspective? They obviously get a halt. We just saw the actual trade. I mean, we didn't know if when we went live, we'd have the details. It sounds like it's the number 29 pick, a late second, I think it was 60. Um, and then a fourth and a six and a future fourth or something. Some some day three picks, I think, were thrown in. The one first is the um is obviously the blue chip pick at 29. I know the immediate speculation was maybe they'd get a top 10 pick. You know, the Jets and, and Dolphins both have a lot of draft capital in the earlier part. And actually, before I go straight to you, Rotoviz is trying to grow this YouTube channel. So subscribe, like, do all those things to the video. But Sean, what was your initial reaction on the return, on the the lack of Tyreek? What was your first biggest reaction when hearing this news? Well, I, I mean, he must have used his second half performance from the AFC Championship game and really circulated that tape and, and got all these teams involved for the uh, the, the trade here. And, and just, they got Juju Smith-Schuster, and you're thinking they've addressed that third receiver position they're going to go out and win a bunch of championships and now we lose Tyreek Hill I I think the Chiefs fans had to be hoping for the Jets picks right because they have that really early option and you can get back in there and get a Garrett Wilson you could get a Traylon Burks now you look at the different mock drafts and you look at what Burks did in the combine and you're thinking I mean some people think that at least one of these elite receivers will fall it now feels inevitable that the Chiefs will use one of those two picks there that they have at the end of the first round to draft a receiver, I guess, I mean, little things here that pop up. I'm elated that Demarcus Robinson and Byron Pringle have already signed elsewhere because I think that the Chiefs, anytime you have this kind of situation, you fall back on familiarity, but we know that those two guys are not going to move the needle, can't get anything done for Kansas City. You think back to Patrick Mahomes' very first game where he's playing basically with the backups because they've got those guys in. 
to rest them for the playoffs. He absolutely dominates. I mean, this offense is Patrick Mahomes, right? And I don't think that Devontae, I don't think that Tyree Hill is Devontae Adams. And so I don't think that you're losing that, but you're losing a guy with 4-2 speed. And then we think about those big plays in the Buffalo game. If you don't have a guy who can run like the wind, I mean, those are very different drives, very different plays. And you lose someone that there's not really anybody like in the NFL. I just, you keep going back to it and that Tyreek Hill has speed that matters and is difference making at the NFL level where so many of these guys have blazing speed to be at yet another level and to lose that I mean, just nobody like it i mean that was the immediate reaction all throughout twitter all of the sort of sharpest um you know real football analysts were you know he, he what he does for their scheme how he tilts the field what what he provides in terms of um, you know, I think I saw a couple different people say in, in terms of non-quarterbacks, he might be the most important player to a team in the entire NFL. No longer on the Chiefs. Uh, I saw some comments about sort of Patrick Mahomes' legacy. Maybe he's already played with the best teams he'll ever play with. It's um, hard to figure that they will wind up in a better spot. I do want to talk about some ways that Kansas City could go. Quick Will Fuller tease because I, I just am salivating over here about the idea that Will Fuller could potentially wind up in Kansas City. Still a free agent. We've thought all offseason he's probably tied to Deshaun Watson. And so obviously Cleveland makes a ton of sense. But this possibility now with Tyree Kilcon of filling the speed role as a guy who's not only a speed player, but can also do things in the shorter and intermediate ranges that Tyreek obviously increasingly had to do these last couple of years as they face more too high safety looks and all of those things. Will Fuller just feels like such an, I mean, like I'm looking at this future Chiefs uh, wide receiver group of now Juju as this still high upside potential reclamation project and Will Fuller, same deal. I mean, every comment on Twitter, when I tweeted out, all I could think about was Will Fuller to KC was for the one and a half games he's healthy, it will be amazing. But if these guys could stay healthy and you add in the rookie that obviously we all expect now they're going to take one of these rookies and, there are five or six that are potentially worth first round picks. We've talked about on the show, obviously the, um, the ones that are coming off injury that could potentially be pushed down a little bit to where that might make them an option for Kansas city. I'm not sure where Jameson Williams is being mocked, but even like the George Pickens types I've seen as a late first round pick might wind up being a really interesting pick for Kansas city. That trio of like a fuller and a juju, if those guys can, you know, perform better in the Kansas City offense than they have over the last couple of years or stay healthier or however you want to view that. I mean, there's still paths they could go, but I'm getting ahead of myself because we still have, we have to emphasize the, the Tyreek loss. Like, what does this mean for Mahomes? What is it like? It's, it's sort of hard to overstate how big of an impact. To your point, they're the number three receivers, have or, you know, behind Hill and Travis Kelsey have never really done anything. And even as Hill and Kelsey have commanded as much attention as any top two receivers in the league because of Hill's speed, because of what Kelsey can do. And those guys still can't like earn targets. None of them have strong targets per run rates. None of them are doing anything that uh, is, you know, even optimistic. They are gone now. I think, I think you're absolutely right. I thought that was a great point that like, that's sort of a good thing, but no Tyreek Hill is going to completely change the shape of this offense. And it's for both the good and the bad, right? Because 
again, no one takes the top off like Hill. You think about the big plays that he's made in some of the previous seasons. When those were absent in the first half of the year this year, the Chiefs offense really did stutter. And we saw this first time period where everybody's thinking, okay, well, Patrick Mahomes actually is mortal. I mean, he's mortal, but he's still the best of the best. The best teams he's played on are not behind him. The Kansas City Chiefs are going to be in the mix. They're going to win Super Bowls. I think the offense could potentially be better. You mentioned that none of the guys behind him can draw targets, and that's absolutely crucial. They cannot. I was putting together a Juju article, a little bit like the J.D. McKissick article that I had almost ready to go. That Juju article is not going to have to be massively rewritten. But it's interesting when you look at the efficiency numbers for the guys behind the big two, they're absolutely phenomenal. And again, I mean, that's when you're actually open and you're playing off of the other two players, then Patrick Mahomes is going to hit you and you're going to gain the yards that that type of play will indicate. So the efficiency can be there. But so now, now the question is, who does draw the targets? Who plays off of whom? And how will this all work? Now, one of the things I think that you could see happen is they build a more well-rounded offense that's more difficult to defend because the Chiefs have even more things they could do. Now, we had kind of teased that something that would be really fun would be for the Chiefs to go out there and make that move for Christian McCaffrey. That was always a, a, just a complete pipe dream on my part. But we knew that someone like a Saquon Barkley has been tossed around as available for not very much. I mean, it would be incredibly awesome to see the Chiefs do that. But it's also possible that they could add multiple receivers, right? I mean, you're not limited to what you can do. Now, the Chiefs do have some other needs. They've got some things in the secondary they have to address. They're always looking to make their lines more dominant so that they can be this team that is more than just Patrick Mahomes. We know that they're looking to build in all of those areas. But you could have a couple of rookie wide receivers. You mentioned Pickens. There's a Justin Ross who's kind of interesting. We know that Sky Moore is generating an incredible amount of buzz as a potential second rounder. So you could add a top guy. You could add a second guy. You have Juju there, you know, potentially you have Fuller. I would like to see them build this team that doesn't need a Tyreek Hill, but just has weapons all over the place. And I think that that path now is possible and it's exciting. Now, it doesn't mean that it'll play out that way for sure, but it, you think about Hardman. We know that he doesn't run the routes particularly well. He's not going to draw the targets down the field, but they can replace some of the underneath things that Hill did last year. And they used him very heavily underneath and in a way that was kind of frustrating but necessary with the way defenses were playing them if they replace some of that with hardman and then they bring in these rookie guys they have juju who is going to be a huge impact player in the middle of the field for them and then stretch deep on both sides there are a lot of ways that they could attack this and one of the things that both the chiefs and the packers have done is say look if we have to pay you guys like you were out there on the free agent market then by the time that your contract is signed and you've signed for this incredible amount of money then your trade value is essentially zero right because you're going to the highest bidder now in both of those situations the teams had some control over what was going on so it's not going to be a pure highest bidder type of situation but they're going to sign huge contracts and to get a lot back in terms of things they can use to now address needs and have that money back because they're not gonna have to pay it to them then you can also again address other needs and so you can build a deeper team a better team I think it's exciting in a way if you can get past the fact that, I mean, you don't have Tyreek Hill. Yeah, it's the inverse of the the Frank Clark trade in that way, where instead of giving up a ton of assets and then signing the player, you're, you're, maybe they maybe they learned their lesson and they're, they're trying to do it the opposite way. But now you're trading away Tyreek Hill, which is like, it, it's challenging. For, I mean, I, I've seen some people essentially say it's a bad trade for everyone. I don't think it's great for Miami to be giving up a ton 
um, and then signing to him, him to a massive deal. We, we kind of hinted the same about the Devonte Adams deal. Uh, it, it's not, it's not a bad move to add Tyreek Hill to your offense, but um, there's going to be some real concerns there. We'll get to Miami. I think later we got to focus on the chiefs first, but I love the comment about uh, the Christian McCaffrey thing. I hadn't thought about that yet, but I mean, you, you have mentioned that this off season, if that somehow were to, to, to happen, it would be really interesting because he actually, as a running back brings things to the passing game. Um, don't know how to continue to emphasize that, but he's incredibly good in all the kind of advanced metrics in terms of earning target volume and things he would add value in the passing game. Um, but I, the most important thing that you just said there was that there could be a way that this could make the chiefs better, which I don't know what stage of the bargaining or bargaining or, um, you know, coping, whatever the, the seven stages of grief. I don't know where we're at right now, but you have already gotten, we're about 12 minutes into this. You've already gotten to where the chiefs could be better without Tyree kill. It does make me think, though is some of this related to their struggles once teams started going so heavily too high against them and how Mahomes had to try to play quarterback differently and they started to use Tyreek more underneath as well sort of similar to how you're just describing Mikol they they haven't gotten the same type of deep efficiency and production and explosive play rate out of the Mahomes Tyreek connection over the last however many you know, what is it, a year, year and a half, since they've really been hit with those looks. It's, it's, uh, I mean, was this, a, was this a, in any way a football move? I mean, I, I mean, I, I've been trying to wrap my head around this all morning. And initially I was like, this is crazy. He's such a huge part of their offense. But the more I think about the way their offense has evolved, maybe there's a part of them that thinks this is the next step they have to take to evolve their offense. Travis Kelsey is getting older as well. They need to build Mahomes more weapons. We, we talk on the show all the time about how the best passing games in the modern NFL are the ones that tend to have the third, fourth targets that are still good, that have multiple places to go with the ball. The Chiefs have been so reliant on two guys for so long. I don't think it's that crazy that you said that they could wind up better if they are able to get three or four strong options. They obviously have to be still good. But Mahomes is going to add to that efficiency like you talked about. He's going to make his players better, his receivers better. I mean, I, 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 I can't wrap my head around it. I can't wrap my head around Tyreek Hill not being a chief right, right yet. But the idea that him not being there might actually influence the way defenses play them and might actually lead them to having more targets, more viable receiving weapons at different depths and allow Mahomes to then – progress into being a different type of quarterback and this team has to be built around Mahomes for the next decade maybe it is right maybe it's the the smart football move at this point if they're able to address things you know I'm sitting here already counting Will Fuller in but then the initial thought was Marcus Valdez Scantling that's a completely different player he's good but that's a completely different deep threat than Will Fuller in my eyes in terms of overall upside of the player maybe they don't hit on the right receiver we saw them take Clyde Edwards Alaire over Jonathan Taylor. I know you've talked about that every day since then. What if they had Jonathan Taylor right now? This would be a lot different of a, of a conversation as well with them moving on from Hill. Um, he would at least provide another element to their offense. But yeah, they have to get playmakers in there now. They obviously don't. They basically have Kelsey and, and what we're hoping Juju could be in this offense. But Juju's contract, not huge. A lot of people are, I think, are a little overreacting to Juju now as the wide receiver one. I mean, they're, they're not... Re replacing Tyreek to make Juju 
a superstar, I don't think. They need to address this in terms of a three- or four-person more stable receiving group at, than what they've had in the past with just Hill and Kelsey and, and two main guys. Yeah, and I think that, I mean, those are great points in terms of what the Chiefs can now do tactically from a reality perspective if they execute. And it always comes back to that. I mean, one of the big arguments I was making to you and encouraging you to see this Russell Wilson trade is actually fantastic for the Seahawks is that they have a lot of paths to, in the end, build a better team and in five years have a much better team but you have to execute. And I think that as a fan, you have both the excitement and the optimism and also that stress and the worry. You mentioned Clyde Edwards-Alaire. It's also the case that Deontay Johnson and DK Metcalf went after uh, Michael Hardman in that particular draft. Now, there were actually a lot of other bad receivers that went in between those two. So, I mean, there are other people who could have been even worse picks for the Chiefs there. One of the reasons why you hope they address it a little bit earlier in this draft, and you hope that they don't miss because you can obviously missed but you think about this if this were a fantasy dynasty trade the chiefs would be considered the winners right because you're rebuilding you're reloading you're getting multiple assets you have more paths now to be good and i think that sometimes we lose track of that from a a fan perspective with our own teams i mean i remember an interaction i had with a big reporter i don't know it'd be obviously more than a decade ago now about larry johnson with the chiefs and how if the Chiefs extended him, it would be a disaster. And his argument was, you know, Larry Johnson is the top running back in football right now in the stick for meal offense. Obviously, they've got to pay him and keep him. Well, I mean, it was a very short time later that they regretted that in a major way. I'm not saying that would be the case with Tyreek Hill. If you can keep Tyreek Hill from age 28 to age you know, 33, you're probably getting, again, sort of Hall of Fame type performance in at least a portion of that. But I think that, again, there are paths in, in a, from a dynasty perspective when you make these trades, you're not necessarily getting the tactical advantages that a real football team might get that you outlined there. And I think that a little bit of it does stem back to real football. Now, everybody makes mistakes. And when I say that you can pick out some individual mistakes that Tyreek Hill has made, that's not to say that, oh, you know, he's not a good football player or it's his fault that they lost certain things. But you, you think back to the second half of the game against the Bengals. The Chiefs offense obviously struggled in part because anytime a team does figure out how to take away Hill and Kelsey, the Chiefs don't move the ball. Now you can say, well, that's the case with any NFL team. You take away their best players, they're not going to move the ball. Very few teams have even a Hill and Kelsey. That's already, there's sort of this embarrassment of riches. But the gap between where those guys are and where everybody else is on the Chiefs is just so massive. Their, their running backs are so poor. We talk about how running back doesn't matter. And yet if you're going to be forced to use the running backs occasionally and they give you such terrible production, all of those things hurt and they do bog down your offense, right? And then you look at some specific plays. One of the things that I had mentioned to you and, and you went back and, and looked and I, I think agreed with me, that play in overtime, we, we'd be looking at all of this differently if Tyreek Hill rises up and catches that ball from Mahomes as opposed to letting it be batted away for interception. Now, maybe that happens to most wide receivers, but there are guys out there who go up there and make the play on the ball. The Chiefs get the first down, they go and score, they win the Super Bowl, and we're talking about you know two Super Bowls in three years. If he makes that catch, I don't think we're necessarily in this position now, although maybe we are. You look back to last year's Super Bowl, the game gets away from the Chiefs, but there's a play early that if Hill goes up and makes the catch on a ball that's there, again, a difficult yeah. catch. Not everybody's going to make it. <clears throat> But if he they makes hit him in the action, face mask, yeah. So I mean, there are plays out there that other top ten receivers will make 
that Hill doesn't necessarily make. So different strengths and weaknesses from different guys. And we could look at this as, okay, if, if he makes a couple of these plays, the Chiefs are looking at themselves as three-time Super Bowl champions. Again, many other things could have happened. We know the Chiefs weren't blocking well in that game. But that's, again, goes back to this element of make your team as strong as it is overall. If you have a strong and deep team with Patrick Mahomes as your QB, you're going to be a number one or number two seed almost every season. You're going to be in the AFC Championship game more often than not. And we know that if you want to win a Super Bowl, the idea is to get into that range as often as possible. Now, the Patriots probably a little bit fortunate that they executed as many times as they did. But the reason that you win is that you get there over and over and over. You put yourself in that situation. The Rams, obviously, a couple of years, they'll get there and lose. They go back and they win. The 49ers are trying to put themselves in that situation where they get there consistently. You want to have a good team. And I think this you know, I, I say this, and then the Chiefs draft a couple of bad players, and all of a sudden you've got nothing, and the Miami Dolphins have Tyreek Hill, right? But this gives you a chance to have more depth, to address more areas, and to build a super team. Maybe it lowers their floor, but it, it this actually raises their ceiling. I mean, they have a chance to be an absolute juggernaut now as a result of this trade. Yeah, it's interesting. And, and you mentioned a few key Tyreek Hill moments in playoffs in years past. I don't know how much we talked about on the show. I know you and I have talked a lot about it off the air. You mentioned um, the, the the play against the Bengals in overtime, I believe, that set up the game-winning field goal that was the deflected interception. And I felt like when you brought it up to me, I'm not sure if you brought it up on the show or, or after the show, but um, I felt like when you brought it up to me, you're kind of being probably a little bit of a homer. And I, I, we, we had this email exchange later because I went back and watched it, and I was like, yeah, that was actually a really poor play by – Hill, it wasn't a very well-thrown ball, but he took a really weak effort or whatever angle. He's kind of falling away from it, but he didn't really try to go up for the ball. It allowed the Bengals defender uh, to come in from behind and deflect it. Obviously, sort of a lucky deflection as well, and the pass was intercepted. But it is one that I don't think you were just kind of throwing out there. We, we've talked about it. I, I will vouch for it that when I went back and watched it, I was like, yeah, he could have done a lot more on that play. Uh, he was kind of just letting it go incomplete, but because of that, he opened this window for an, an advantageous defensive play that ended up cost them their season, essentially. It put the Bengals right in field goal range almost. They barely gained any yards to kick the game winner. Um, and then the, the Super Bowl a couple of years ago, I mean, we've also discussed that, but um, I think some people probably maybe rolled their eyes at that because there's this idea that the Bucs completely dominated that game. I'm completely right there with you on that, where there were so many key plays in the first half of that game where the Chiefs just played a, a really poor first half didn't execute some things that he'll play was one of the biggest ones. And then they got into the hole and because they got into the hole and they couldn't block, it changed the entire, the entire shape of the game. But there was even stuff on, on the buck side. There was the, the offsides on the field goal that turned that drive into a touchdown. There was a, um, a questionable after the play personal foul. And I think Chris Jones hitting Ryan Jensen, in the face mask on the defensive line, they're just kind of shoving and they call a personal foul on a, on a third down where the Bucks would have punted Bucks go on to score a touchdown on that drive. We don't need to relitigate the Super Bowl from two years ago, but they're there. I mean, I don't think you're crazy for some of those takes to be clear. Um, it, it's, it, yeah, it's very, very interesting what the chiefs might've been thinking. Cause to this point, everything we've seen is that they've basically been willing to put up with anything related to Hill. And there has been a lot. There's obviously the off field stuff. They have been willing to just act like everything is fine there. 
that's part of the risk, I think, for the Miami side, too. And we can't just not discuss it. It's like they are trading for a guy who has a, a checkered past as well. And, I mean, not just in college. In 2019, the recordings and all these things. There's a lot of, you know, very clear stuff that we've seen that we've all sort of just forgotten about because that's what we do. Um, or maybe not forgotten about, but don't talk, don't mention as much. But they're trading for him. They're giving up a ton of resources to get him and then pay him a ton of money what does this mean for Miami like I, I they already had Jalen Waddle this is not good for Jalen Waddle I mean obviously Jalen Waddle is still very good and we talk all the time about how teams can support multiple number one receivers that we're not like sitting here ranking the receiver on most teams there's ways that this will be a benefit for Waddle but Waddle last year didn't really need anyone to take the attention he still earned a massive target rate so for him specifically I'm looking at it like he didn't need someone to free him up. He already showed the ability to earn targets underneath. Now I'm just concerned about the overall size of the pie and, and their quarterback play. And everyone knows that, oh, two is not a great downfield passer. Or that's the, the current widely accepted, accepted narrative and very well might be the ultimate storyline of his career. Now you have these two massive speedsters. The thing we wanted from Waddle was more explosive plays, but now it seems less likely that we see him running downfield as much now that you have the the game's elite downfield speedster on the roster. I I mean Miami just feels like they have a ton of sports cars and, and no no offense no way to I mean Mike McDaniel's a positive right he, he's been able to utilize players and or he comes from an offense that utilizes players in creative ways and gets in the ball in space and creates yak. Can Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle coexist? Can they both be really good in Miami? What is your initial thought about the Dolphins offense? So you're not giving Mike Kosicki credit for being I that just guy didn't mention him. Ties it all together. <laughs> no, I think I just acted like he doesn't exist. I just yeah, I, <laughs> I just acted like he doesn't exist. But no, I mean, if if Tyreek and Waddle are some bizarro version of Debo and um and Ayuk, then then Gasicki's some bizarro version of Kittle, I guess. Keep we we have Gasicki available for trades in a little bit <laughs> triflex league if you want to uh chime in there. No, this is kind of fun, I think. And one of the things that we saw last year from the Dolphins, and again, you know, it'll be a different system, but Waddle able to get open quickly, get those targets underneath, and then he's got this blazing speed. So now the Dolphins have the fastest team in the NFL, right? I mean, you have Waddle and Hill out there. How do you defend them? I think it's a cool trade for and them. Mostly. I think that I think it's fun, right? And Hill is going to be able to take some of those underneath targets, I think, and free up Waddle to do some, some deep route work as well. I think they can interchange in terms of some of the things that they do. If the Dolphins don't have the other explosive element, then maybe Waddle is trapped underneath a little bit more. Hey, this is Dave Cabin from the Rotoviz flagship podcast. I wanted to let you know that the podcast you are listening to right now is sponsored by BetterHelp. And I can speak from personal experience and tell you that if you or someone you love is struggling with depression, they're dealing with anxiety, talking to somebody about it can make a huge difference. And that's what BetterHelp does. Within 48 hours of signing on with BetterHelp, they'll match you with a professional therapist. These therapists have a broad range of expertise that might not be available where you live. This is a worldwide service that's easy to use, allows you to get matched with a therapist that you can communicate with, you can send messages, get thoughtful responses, you can even schedule weekly video or phone sessions, you can talk through anything that you need, and BetterHelp is committed to facilitating 
therapeutic matches that can give you all of the benefits of traditional offline therapy. They want you to start living a happier life today. And I believe that talk therapy is one of the ways that you can do that. Visit their website, www.betterhelp.com forward slash reviews to hear and read some of their testimonials. Again, you're going to want to visit BetterHelp, Better H-E-L-P, and join the over 2 million people who have taken charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. And we have a special offer for Rotoviz listeners. Get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com forward slash Rotoviz. Can't recommend how important and how helpful talk therapy can be. So please check it out. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Blue Wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. We'll have to see how it plays out, but I like it for both of them. And then I think that Hill's going to continue to get some underneath targets, even with Waddle there. We know he can get behind the defenses. I think that he'll have some splash plays. Even with Tua there as the QB, one of the things that we saw and one of the reasons he was drafted so early is that in college, he had all of these first-round wide receivers, and they could get wide open, and that will make you look good as a college quarterback. You don't see that as often at the NFL level, but perhaps if you have Hill and Waddle and then Mike Kosicki, again, not in those guys' kind of area, but for a tight end, extremely athletic, somebody else who can get open, I think that this could potentially stress defenses in a way that Tua does have some plays and some reads where guys are open enough that he can make some quick, early, accurate throws, even if he's got to get back there and release the ball, you know, more much earlier than Mahomes would have to release it in order to get it to these guys down the field. You know, drop back, chuck it, see what happens. What are you, your thoughts on this Dolphins offense? I mean, you you kind of described a downside scenario yeah. for them. Do you have some optimism? Well, that you it could just all work got out? me really, really optimistic. Uh, I love your comment that. Without another, I think you're absolutely right. I think I was misthinking through that. Without another deep threat, legitimate option, that has probably was part of the reason that it forced Waddle into this underneath range. It just didn't help the way that they could stretch the field. With Hill on the opposite side, now the safety help is is a is a challenge, right? And so 
Waddle already was going to need to see some type of increase in his downfield target rate, regardless. It's just so, it was so extremely, you know, weird for a guy of, of his athleticism and speed to be such an underneath target. But if you have Tyreek Hill on the opposite side, the safety help is rolling that way. I mean, I think you're absolutely right about that. That's probably actually in that benefit to Waddle running out of the slot, you know, uh, an outside fade up, up the other sideline or up the seam or what have you. They're going to be able to attack defenses in a lot of ways. And then when you talk about them being the fastest team in the league and remembering that they also got Mostert, who's not going to be a, a heavy snap guy, but they got Mostert. They got Chase Edmonds even as, an, you know, an athletic and agile, you know, pass catching type back. The running back they have on the field as well is going to be really interesting. I mean, these two receivers are going to suddenly make defenses obviously be in too high safeties and, and be really concerned about, um, unless they're just not afraid of Tua, but be mostly concerned about the way that they can get beat deep. And then Gesicki, to your point, one of the most athletic tight ends in the league. That's like the biggest selling point about him. Now, now the, the Mike McDaniel running game, though, as well with, with Raheem Mostert, now you're talking about smaller guys on the field and the potential for him to get to the edge uh, and have some explosive plays in the running game. Now I'm just like, well, we can see what Mike McDaniel's doing. He's trying to create an absolute track meet and he's trying to give Tua the exact offense he had in Alabama where every one of his skilled players creates such a challenge for a defense that it's it's an easier decision and an easier way to play quarterback. I think you just sort of convinced me to be a lot higher on a lot of the pieces in the Miami offense and maybe the more the less obvious ones like Mostert. I suddenly I'm like, "Wow, well actually he's going to have some room to run." And Tua, like, is he going to be a good late round quarterback with all these options? I mean, I'm sure people are going to be excited about him regardless when he's adding Tyreek Hill, but, um, or even Gesicki, to your point, like, this could be a pretty fun offense. I think you got me seeing the optimistic side as well. Well, you mentioned the running backs and Chase Edmonds was the best running back in the NFL last year before contact. And a lot of people want to put that, you know, mostly on the offensive line, but the explosiveness of the player really helps to get through, especially if there's space. Now it looks like both because of scheme and because of speed, there are going to be space for these guys. So these running backs now a good fit. And I think a fun fit for the offense and for fantasy participants in the, especially if you're invested in the wide receivers or Gasicki in that they're going to be explosive and yet they probably aren't still going to be that high volume. I mean, within the scheme, it, it, perhaps that is more the case, but you could see a situation where the running backs are effective without taking them away from these stars that they have at the receiver position. If the coach wants to run the offense that way. So that part of it also fun, they can be very efficient players. Where do you have to now that he has these extra weapons he has to move up from that tier that was like Carson Wentz and Matt Ryan and not Carson Wentz. We shouldn't mention him in the name of in the group with any legitimate NFL quarterbacks. <laughs> but I mean, do you like him now as sort of, you know, once Matthew Stafford is gone, for example? Oh man, maybe, um, probably not that high immediately, but I'm going to, like, I'm going to need some time to chew on things, but part of, part of, my optimism in response to what you just said is I'm I'm sort of hoping that the, this negative opinion on Tua is so crystallized in sort of the the general psyche, which it seems to be. Most people seem to think that Tua is really poor, that it's so crystallized that we actually get some value. So maybe he's, you know, QB 18 still. He moves up to QB 18 and we can draft him at QB 14 or something. 
I guess that's maybe in that range after Stafford's going. Um, if he becomes like the most int- like uh, most uh, hyped next quarterback after you're you know through ones that you feel pretty secure about and secure about their offense and their ability to score touchdowns and the projection feels pretty solid in terms of what they're going to be able to do, which I think Stafford fits. Stafford's not going to be a huge upside quarterback, but we know the Rams are going to be good. He has weapons. He's going to throw touchdowns. Well, he's got Allen Robinson now. So. He's got Allen Robinson now, which we were going to talk about today, but we didn't even get a chance. Um, if he becomes the most interesting to uh, right after that group, I don't think I'm going to be like all over him because I do think there are still concerns. We don't know necessarily how well McDaniel will even be able to implement the offense that um, was so successful in San Francisco. That's something I've been a little bit concerned about or thinking about is obviously Kyle Shanahan is the one who's, you know, everywhere he's gone, he's had really good offenses. McDaniel worked under Shanahan. How much was Shanahan? How much was McDaniel? I'm I'm excited for McDaniel and to see what he can do. He seems really bright. I'm I'm you know I'm optimistic, but there's a lot of young coaches that I've been excited about over the last couple of years that have kind of broken my heart a little bit. Shout out Carolina. Um, so there's, yeah, uh, I, I don't want to be too high on Tua, but I could see him being interesting if he's not you know, viewed positively. If there's an immediate, you know, response that this is actually just going to be Tyreek, a Ferrari, you know, parked in a, in a dump of a house kind of a thing where like, they can't, you know, that meme on Twitter, which you don't, you're not even on Twitter, but they can't, um, they can't actually use Tyreek because of Tua's limitations. If that's what everyone believes, then I'd probably want to be in on two. It might be a decent time to try to buy two in Dynasty, but obviously his price is going to go up. It's just a question of how much does his price go up, whether there are people are, who are thinking this is a great sell-high opportunity with his price getting a little bit of a bump, and you're like, well, I actually think his price should have been even more of a bump. That's sort of the way I'm looking at Tua, but um, I could actually see as we continue, um, continue to – progress through this offseason just getting more and more optimistic about the Dolphins offense and Tua I mean I I just think I need some time to to actually let that marinate (laughs) sure sure and I think that in dynasty it could be tricky because the price now is going to be a lot more expensive I mean you can't help but have a more expensive quarterback when you have Tyreek Hill there and for dynasty and and really in, in any league but especially they're in dynasty with the QB position. It's going to come down to if he's good or not. I mean, even with those guys, if you cannot play at the quarterback position, they will not be able to cover it up with the weapons. And so you pay a lot more now and your risk is still there. But if you look at something like best ball, I think it's very intriguing because we talk a lot about the QB window in best ball and how you need to get your two QBs there. If you pay too much or you wait too late for your QB two which I think a lot of people focus on the paying too much and forget that if you wait too late for your second quarterback and you don't have a legitimate option there, especially if you're building a big portfolio, then all of those teams that end up without legitimate options are really hurt in terms of win rate, right? The win rate just craters. Now we have another guy that I think you might want some exposure to and the price, while it's going to tick up, it's going to tick up into a range that you can still manage. And I think that structurally that's kind of an interesting play because it gives you another guy there if you're someone who wants to wait and you're really focused on making sure you get two quality options now you've got somebody else if it's too thin in that range right there at the edge and you're being price conscious and so you're waiting and waiting but then you can get in a situation where you lose out because you wait too long 
So I think having a couple extra QBs that actually will work, and you could argue maybe Matt Ryan now works for the Indianapolis Colts. I think that helps you execute that, and that's kind of a cool part of that. Also for people who want to stack with their best ball teams or pair a wide receiver with a QB, one of the things there too is that being price conscious is important. And Tua offers someone where you can make that move, and the quarterback portion at least is inexpensive. And so if you get a hill early or you get a waddle early, and then you come back with that QB that doesn't cost you so much, now there are going to be some people in your league who are maybe looking at that and and pick him a little bit early just to stop you from executing but and i wouldn't worry too much i think sometimes people can be overly focused on that but there are some elements there especially in best ball that i think kind of make this fun from a fantasy perspective yeah absolutely i want to go back to kc though because i want to get your response on what the chiefs should do i also want to pull in a couple comments there's one here that says my only question is which case uh, wide receiver kc trades for i i have to think dk is a guy they get half of what they collected uh, from Miami. I've seen DK Metcalf on Twitter mentioned several times. Um, it's interesting. You know, Seattle had a report the other day. They want to do everything they can to try to resign him. But the reality is that he might not want to be in Seattle anymore, uh, you know, when his contract is up. You like the Fuller idea, I assume. But, like, what would you do? If you were in Brett Veach's seat, what would you do now <laughs> like what what do you do now open slate what do you do yeah i'd like to see him add speed and so one of the things that was kind of weird about drafting hardman instead of metcalf in the first place was just that yeah you're getting the speed but you could have gotten that speed with a guy who also had size which we know from the different freak score research stuff matt spencer has done even recently obviously the fantasy douche a lot of his research on kind of how the touchdowns are related there, making sure you get those, that it's difficult to replace those touchdowns if you don't have a receiver who brings that profile to the table. And so Metcalf's somewhat interesting, but it's also interesting that they didn't feel like he was a fit in the first place. I mean, Hardman hadn't shown a lot in college. And so for them to have looked at him and said, no, we don't think he can play wide receiver, that's that's a little bit of a weird take in light of who they actually drafted. And so then you're, you're wondering did they think that this you know calvin johnson-esque player like wouldn't work with their offense i mean that's also kind of a weird thing to think there the flip side of that is and one of the things i mentioned with you in terms of how i was worried that russell wilson that the trade was awesome but the seahawks could easily come back and ruin it would be to give away a lot of the value that you just got and uh, kind of a different conversation but i you know, now that the Seahawks are talking about Drew Locke and, and Geno Smith as being in this pitch battle to be their starter, you can't be, from the Seahawks' perspective, super excited about that. But at least they haven't gone out and given away those picks instantly. I think with Metcalf, there's an interesting situation here where, and I always think it's inappropriate, or you want to be very conservative about speculating about what the different players are like. But you had mentioned that we have some things with Tyreek Hill. Nothing really like that, I don't think, for DK Metcalf, at least that I'm aware of, but maybe a little bit of a handful. And so if you're looking for someone who is going to go out there, execute the plays, be really easy to work with, not make mental mistakes, maybe he's not that fit. You say, well, Will Fuller is going to play two games. You know, how, how is that a fit for anything? But it will be interesting there to give him a shot. I mean, one of the things with Will Fuller is that he brings speed, not 4-2 speed because basically no one does, but he brings speed also very skilled. 
And so that element, I think, would be something that would be great for the Chiefs who have the speed with Hardman, but are looking for a receiver who can run some of these routes down the field, get open at various levels, and, and bring that speed element with them. I really want them to go back here and not give up picks for veterans. You know, you use your money in free agency and you use your picks in the draft. You don't do both, which again is the thing that we we're very excited about this for the Dolphins, but that would be our criticism is that you've doubly paid for someone, even if they're this good, that's an issue. It doesn't really make the the trade away of Tyreek make a lot of sense if you give up a bunch of resources to acquire a DK and then you're going to be re-signing him in a couple of Because those players are going to be worse. Individually, they're going to be worse. So that doesn't it doesn't make any sense. I, I actually did not really love the the trade discussion. I'm right there with you that they need to either sign free agents or draft to to fix this. We agree that Will Fuller is the obvious, clear, best next step. Assume that they can't get him. Assume he's already, you know, gonna go to Cleveland or whatever. Where are you at then? Is it MVS plus two rookies with Juju? Yeah, I mean, let's go out there and take, you know, Williams and Pickens. You know, yeah. the problem there is you're, you're you're bringing a lot of injury risk on right from the get go. Maybe you're looking at some slightly different guys. The dream scenario now is we're always wanting these receivers to be drafted where we think they should be drafted, but you know, why not have a Burks fall? at this point Ben what, what are you thinking and I know that you you know you like to throw it to me on on some of these rookie questions and just to get a, a quick shameless plug in our new the volume two of the Roto's rookie guide including my checking all the boxes the second portion of that article where I kind of go through all the top prospects from that perspective but Ben what are you hearing that is out to finish this that's out you got, you got to get it it's a fantastic rookie guide what are you hearing and what are you thinking in terms of some of these guys? Garrett Wilson, I mean, he's locked in. There's no way that he falls to the Chiefs. Do you think someone like a London, a Burks? I mean, we've had some fun guys on OT, Danny Kelly, Matt Hicks, talking about some of these four-year wide receivers, Chris Olave, someone who is interesting and fast. I mean, again, you're talking about replacing a 4-2 speed guy with, you know, 4-2-2 with a 4-3-8 you know, how fast are those guys on the field? We know that there are some four-year players who bring elite speed. And yet always in the back of our mind, we know that the four-year guys have historically, and not everyone, but has historically underperformed. Do you have any particular player that you think could be in that range? I mean, Williams with the speed and what he did last season, could they possibly pass on him if he falls there? I mean, the reason he would fall would obviously be when you – are trying to compete right away. And as you get into the twenties, those teams in most cases are trying to compete right away. If you're thinking we have to wait a little bit, the rookie won't be able to go through some of the off season things. You don't know about the recovery. I mean, recoveries on a lot of these injuries are very good, but it's not seamless. It's not perfect. Again, if you, you move Tyree kill and you miss, I mean, I keep going back to one of the things with moving a Tyreek Hill. It's almost like when you passed on Jonathan Taylor. I mean, no one's going to forget that you passed on Jonathan Taylor. No one's going to forget that. At least I don't. Sean no definitely gonna, will not. No one's going to forget that you traded Tyreek Hill. I mean, there's pressure here on the Chiefs GM now. Yeah. Um, to your questions about where the rookies go, I, I was talking to Davis Mack the other day, uh, I guess last week, and he was, he, I think he's really hoping that Traylon Burks is available to the. Cowboys at like 22 or wherever they're at 23, but the Packers now being at 20. I mean, I, I see, I, I don't, I don't see like a guy like that tier of receiver getting past the Packers at 20. 
there's another really interesting comment that I wanted to, to, to call call up and it's a great time to call it up from Ricky. It says, so why aren't we just smashing rookies at this point? We feel like uh, we feel great about at least two first round receivers to go to places like Watson, Mahomes, Rogers, certainly, you know, Green Bay and now Kansas city. And obviously in Cleveland, like we're talking about some, some really good quarterbacks, not having, not having their wide receiver position settled. So now this class that is really intriguing we don't really care that much about landing spot, but it's certainly not a bad thing to go play with a really high level quarterback to go be Patrick Mahomes new first round wide receiver after they traded Tyree kill. That's obviously something that's going to be intriguing if the receiver also has a great profile and everything else. I mean, I mean, you're just excited is all heck. Uh, and same with Rogers without Adams. And I think that's absolutely true. If you're doing best balls between now and the NFL draft, I think you need to be hammering the rookie wide receivers get as much exposure as you can. The ones that land in those spots are going to skyrocket in price. You're going to have, I mean, you should already be hammering the rookie receivers is the point, but I, I do think this is a smart uh, thought to, to be on them even more, but to your question about like who falls against city, that's also a really rele relevant part of that discussion is there's a lot of teams now that are interested in these receivers. And we've seen some, the bad teams still need receivers and we've seen some projected in the first 15 picks obviously to to some of the weaker teams you know i don't know, like the bears right the bears are, are an option or, or the colts or whoever and colts aren't necessarily a weaker team and i don't think they're picking in the top 15 but um they're they're another team that isn't immediately being discussed that certainly could use another receiver it's like suddenly i'm like i think we're gonna have six receivers in the first round i think we're gonna have a, i mean the, the way that the free agent market wide receiver has exploded and now you can get these cost controlled wide receivers in the draft jams are not stupid a lot of them i mean they don't they don't want to do what the jaguars did and be paying zay jones 30 million dollars or whatever they decided to pay him um i i mean i think the wide receiver market is going to be crazy this is a deep wide receiver class one of the things we've talked a lot about is in that deeper range you mentioned williams and pickens and even going into ross they have some injury concerns but there's a lead upside potential at least in their profile there are these interesting little elements in their profile like to be able to potentially lock that in and the chiefs are the perfect fit for a guy like williams coming off an acl where I mean, they're going to probably need to gel with a new offense regardless, but they do have Patrick Mahomes. I don't think – I mean, this division is really good. The lack of Hill might suddenly make them not the clear favorite in the division anymore. But I don't think they're going to be in, like, real risk of having, like, a 500 season as they wait for Williams to get healthy enough maybe in midseason to start to make an impact. I think they're probably still going to be on track for a playoff spot, maybe not their traditional, you know, competing for the number one overall spot in the AFC. But that's probably going to be the case regardless. They're going to need to gel a little bit in the first half of next year regardless. So for them, a rookie who need, needs to rehab a little bit, I don't know, I guess it just makes sense in my head where they're probably going to have their stumbles anyway early on, but also not really serious ones because they're the, the Chiefs because they have Patrick Mahomes. So you could kind of take that on and let him come back when he's ready and then have this additional piece that you get to throw in once you stabilize everything else with Juju and Fuller or whoever else is there. Once you start to get things figured out, now you can throw Jameson Williams in when he's healthy enough. I think he's a perfect fit for Kansas City and, and from a stylistic perspective as well and the things that he can do. But yeah, I mean, I, it seems to me like we're going to get a lot of receivers. So I don't know about like a Traylon Burks or like the actual top names getting back to the Chiefs unless they decide to, to trade up. 
And one of the things too is I hope that they don't trade up. That's what, that's what we mentioned with the Seahawks is just, you know, have the discipline to wait it out. I mean, you made the right move in not overcommitting to Hill, or at least you gambled that being patient, being, you know, having this sort of humility-based approach to we're going to create as many paths as possible. Wait it out now. Don't, you know, give away that value to move up for a guy who might have fallen to you or may not be the right guy. And so I'm hoping that the thing that you mentioned there, people hammering on best ball, it also goes back to our dynasty discussions that we've been having where the 2022 draft just continues to get more interesting from the perspective of what these players are going to actually be worth and what you'll be able to trade them for, what you'll be able to use them for immediately. If you've been moving 2022s for 2023s, you may not have gotten what, what you should because you should be getting a 2023 first plus. I mean, it's not an equal thing. You've got, I think because the class has been perceived to be so much stronger, people are not getting the discount for the time involved. But you think about even someone like an Elijah Moore, who was a second round pick last year, played for the Jets, <laughs> is in this offense where you have Zach Wilson. And because he had a couple of extremely impressive games, and because he was actually a, an excellent prospect. He's now someone who is worth a ton in all formats. We kind of, we had a show about how his redraft ADP and best ball ADP, how that kind of informs what you can understand or know about his dynasty value. You think about a guy like that and you think about how many different receivers are going to have similar elements to them this year and are going to be with a an Aaron Rodgers or a Patrick Mahomes instead of a Zach Wilson. I mean, think about the just the massive difference that that makes. Now, Jamar Chase, a generational prospect, and like Jonathan Taylor, those two guys, true generational prospects who are worthy of that term. And yet one of the things that can't help but to have played a valuable role in his just magical rookie season is that he got to play with Joe Burrow, who, despite... A little bit of a slow start because he's coming back from that serious injury. Joe Burrow is an excellent NFL quarterback and leads them, obviously, there to the Super Bowl. You want to have guys with those players. We're set up for some of these receivers to end in excellent situations. And it'll be interesting because there's a possibility that the situation is so good and the prospects so solid that you might even see those guys who right now look like the 107, the 108, they press up into the 103, 104 which maybe then you can say, well, that's a risk. Perhaps they're a little bit overvalued. But the flip side of that is that pushes guys down who we feel great about. And so however way it works out, you're going to have some very intriguing options. And then when you add the super flex element, the entire first round is going to be worth a lot this season. Once we know which quarterbacks are actually worth those first round picks, that was one of the things that was interesting in the rookie guide was trying to balance our evaluation of the quarterbacks with the fantasy upside that they have because of the rushing ability for some of them and not as much for others. And then what we're hearing from the reality community, the, both the scuttlebutt from, you know, actual NFL teams and then the draft Knicks who know a lot about how the, what the perception is kind of overall, you know, is a Howell going to go in the first round? Is a Ritter going to go in the first round? You know, who's falling, who's rising, you know, what, situations are actually even still open with all the movement that we've had and you know would a team i mean are the steelers or the seahawks or some of those teams really going to go with these options that they have in place and one of the reasons that you put those options in place is to be a little bit more unpredictable and give yourself a little bit of leverage and not telegraph your intentions 
but there are some interesting risks there as well that they might actually go with some of those things. So then from that perspective, I mean, we have a lot of 2022 firsts. We, so we, we're, we're investing this idea. It's right. Gonna be good, but are you feeling good about this? Yeah. I mean, well, we were sort of hoping in some of our spots that the QB class would get enough buzz that they might go in the top five picks. So we can start to get some of the non QBs pushed down a little bit, or I don't know, we might wind up interested in some of the QBs as well, but um I think you're right that we're we're gonna we're gonna see some. I mean, after uh, Malik Willis's pro day yesterday, I, I definitely started to see some tweets that were talking about him at 101. So, like, I think it, it's clear because there's a lot of tweet, a lot of people talking about him being a you know the number two overall pick. And if he's the number two overall pick, then I saw some people talk about him being the 101 in Superflex rookie drafts. Which, if that's the case, I mean, I'm not gonna necessarily knock that right away. I haven't done a ton of research on, on Malik Willis, but it, it is what we expected what you said in january when everyone was saying that none of these qbs are going to even go in the first six or ten picks of of super flexes you're like they're all they always rise someone always rises you know there's enough names here and it looks like maybe it's malik willis right now um but him going in the top five in a in a super flex draft and potentially the, the second or third of that group some of the other names you just mentioned Pickett, howell ritter whoever it is going in the first round as well suddenly you you're pushing back some really good names to like 108, 109. Um, so yeah, that's exciting, obviously. I want to talk a little bit about real football, though. I want to know where you think the Chiefs are right now. Part of what I want to talk to you about was this idea that maybe Russell Wilson is an interesting dynasty buy right now. It's um, because I, I think it's sort of similar to the two a point, like his value rose, but it's but people are still down on him because of last year. And you're someone who I think maybe fits in that where you've said that you don't know that maybe sort of similar to what I was saying um, just that maybe his best days are behind him um, and going forward, we will see them win, but he maybe won't be incredible. I think he has quite a bit of upside in that offense. Still. I'm, I'm still going to be a little higher than you on that. I think it is funny that we did the show last week and I was sort of tilting the Seahawks trade and you were trying to convince me that that was somehow a positive and just driving me nuts. And so I wanted to do this live to get you tilting Kansas city's team falling apart. And you have somehow in your eternal optimism. And for anyone who doesn't know, Sean optimistic about absolutely anything you have managed to explain how not only have the chiefs gotten better in this lose, lose trade, but also Miami's offense has gotten so much better and it will be super fun. Um, it's, it's just amazing for everyone. It's all, uh, it's all coming up roses, especially for Kansas city. I think that's, that's what I've heard from you so far in this hour. But what I want to know is where, where do you think Kansas city fits in relation to the chargers who did exactly what we talked about in January when we were saying they're a really interesting Super Bowl futures bet because of the cap space they still had because of Justin Herbert's contract and the pieces they already had in place. They went out and got JC Jackson. They made all these other moves that they now have a really good roster. The Broncos also go out and get Russell Wilson. The Raiders go and get Devontae Adams. This is an incredible division now in terms of talent. Hill leaving is like the first thing we have seen all offseason that hasn't suggested that maybe all of the Pro Bowl would, would come out of the AFC West. Where do the Chiefs fit in now in the divisional hierarchy in terms of real football expectations? They've got Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> you've got the best player in the nfl by a good margin so they're, they're number one it but we'll see what what they do to execute here one of the things that we've talked about and 
I think is encouraging is that for a while there, once they discovered how good Mahomes was, they started to act as though they had a Tom Brady or an Aaron Rodgers at 38 or 41, and you're trying to build this team around him to win the next couple of Super Bowls, as opposed to thinking that they have Tom Brady, you know, at 22, 23, 24, and you're going to win seven or eight Super Bowls. And it's almost now where they've flipped this switch and they're actually planning to build a deep, dominant team that gets there every year and actually allow Mahomes to compete with Brady for all of these things. So the fact that I'm putting him in that kind of conversation and, and suggesting that he could make a run at these stats that Brady has that are astronomical and impossible really even to believe are true would suggest I'm optimistic. I, I am excited to see the next step, right? Because one of the things that we loved about what the Bengals did last year is that they had T Higgins and Tyler Boyd and they went out and got Jamar Chase. And we say the NFL is a passing league you need to be able to beat teams through the air and you need to have as much firepower as possible. Don't stop just because you get good. You know, try to put together something that's all time great. It seems like the Chiefs are going the exact opposite direction, but there are a lot of ways that they can move off of this and be deeper and better at wide receiver in 2022. I hope they do that. The other side of it is, I mean, just the AFC West is going to be difficult. And you're going to have to be very, very good. That's the thing that all of these teams are now looking at, right? If you're the Broncos, you have to make a move for Russell Wilson. If you're the Raiders, I think this is a super cool move for Devontae Adams. Derek Carr, an underappreciated quarterback. The Raiders are going to be very, very good. Obviously, Justin Herbert, if you're talking about the best quarterbacks in the NFL, maybe not that far behind. I mean, it, we're a year or two away from looking at Herbert as potentially an all-time great also. Maybe not quite to the level of Mahomes, but someone who just is a transcendent talent. And those guys that, at the QB position, they put you in the mix to win every year. It, I, it will, for a long time, bother me that we didn't get to see Herbert in the playoffs this year. I mean, it was Burrow's year, and it was great to see him elevate. But what Justin Herbert did in that Week 17 game the number of fourth down conversions, they were way behind. I mean, he didn't play a perfect game, I think, in the first half. I can't recall. But I remember going back and counting. I think they had like six fourth down conversions. And a couple of them were like fourth and 25. Remember, there was like the, the touchdown that he extended the play and just threw a seed in there to uh, to Mike Williams, I think. I mean, that was one of the best fourth quarters, if not the best fourth quarter, a quarterback played all year with the playoffs on the line, all do or die plays, do or die play after do or die play. Even throwing throwing out the, the gravity of the situation where if you don't convert any of those, your season's over. It was still just one of the best quarterbacks, a quarters, a quarterback played all year. He was so, so good in that game that I cannot wait to see him in, in playoff games and everything. The way he rose to the occasion. Um some quarterbacks just have that ability, right? And it was it was so oh God, I wish the Raiders would have just freaking kneeled so we could have got the Chargers in the playoffs. <laughs> that would have been super fun. The the thing you mentioned about Wilson and the thing here, we were excited about Carr. Didn't necessarily expect, obviously, that he'd ever get to play with Devonte Adams. Getting a lot of Carr offers now. I think that, I mean. You you want to pick up Carr if you can. If there's anybody out there who's willing to move him to you, Wilson and Carr exciting. 
not only because of what they have now, but the AFC West has got to be shootout city, right? I mean, you don't want to be the team that kind of goes in the opposite direction of say, you know, what the Buffalo Bills have demonstrated and tries to figure out Seahawks style, like how can we control the ball and win against Herbert and Wilson and Carr? We're not going to see any of the teams go that route, are we? I don't think so. I, I mean, it would be disastrous. Uh, it, and that's a great point. It will be shootout city. And and something that we talk about and a lot of people talk about, you're getting in these big um, best ball contests. You want to look at the late season matchups. You want to try to target situations where the games could explode. One of the ones that everyone was targeting last year was the Bengals and Chiefs as a potential massive shootout. And we did end up seeing the, the Bengals explode, especially Jamar Chase explode in that game obviously um so great point there to, to target maybe these afc west matchups down the stretch um the other thing i was just thinking that we haven't hit on yet is Devonte adams versus tyreek hill both in new situations both guys that were that are, are very very good but also somewhat de- were somewhat dependent on their actual quarterback play i'm having a hard time in my head saying who i'm downgrading more or who I value higher or, you know, how I'm responding. Do you have an immediate lean on Adams versus Hill in either? I mean, they're relatively close in age. I think Hill's a little younger, but in either um, season long or dynasty. Well, I think that sometimes Adams gets overlooked as an athlete, which can be a little bit of an issue. He's got explosive lateral agility. He's got great leaping ability. He doesn't have 4-2 speed, but those things really help your quarterback out on some of these off-target throws or if you're covered, but then you're going to be thrown to as a covered player and you're going to go make the play, right? And so a car is going to be a significant downgrade from Aaron Rodgers, but still a good quarterback. You know, people love to talk about, and Devontae Adams has loved to talk about the fact that he loved playing with Derek Carr, thinks that he's very, very good. I think that element of it will be fun to watch. We've seen McDaniel have some explosive offenses. I think there's a little bit of me that that worries that he was actually a problem with the Patriots over the last several years and didn't unlock some of their guys the way I would have liked to have seen. But, you know, here's someone who has been involved in offenses that scored a lot of points. I think that in order for them to be competitive, they'll have to go out there and score a lot of points. You have Adams, you have Waller, you have Hunter Hunter Renfro underneath. And those guys, you have the ability now to take defenses apart. And Adams is going to maybe have a little bit more target competition than he had with the Packers. At the same time, teams will actually have to worry about his teammates a little bit more than perhaps they had to with the Packers, which will help him. So I think he's going to be able to get open at will. I still have him as a slightly better reality player. They're, They're just very different and they do different things well. They're both awesome. I think there are more questions because we don't know about Tua. And we probably also are a little bit more open-ended in terms of how we see the Dolphins offense, the different scenarios that could play out there, both in terms of competency and in terms of schematically what they decide to do, what their plays are, what their mentality is. You know, we went over some of those earlier in the show and there's reason for optimism, but the very wide range of, of things that could potentially happen there. I guess I would give Devontae Adams and the Raiders a, a pretty high floor in addition to a ceiling that maybe isn't quite as reduced as, 
as some people are thinking. What, what's your sense? You've got probably got a better feel for what the community actually thinks in terms of Adams there yeah. uh, with the Raiders. I think my immediate response, I mean, I, I, I'm my immediate response on both was quite a bit of pessimism about losing the quarterback that I think was, you know, while I think the players are both fantastic, I think the quarterback was also a part of the equation of their success unquestionably. And I mean, we talked on the show, I think about basically everything Adams and, and Rogers did being like almost impossible to replicate in terms of like, you couldn't use Adams more effectively than the, the Packers have. So there has to be just down from there. Like, I mean, there's no, there's no way to do it better, but, and then sort of similar for Hill, although Hill maybe hasn't been used as effectively as possible the last couple of years because of the ways that they've been, they've been faced, but still having Patrick Mahomes as your quarterback is a huge boost to, to you getting the most out of what you could potentially get out of your skill in an, in an average situation. Um, and Miami's probably not the best situation for that in, in turn. And yet I think, um, I mean, I don't know. My, like one of my immediate responses is, is that obviously Adams has car now and he's played with car and there's some familiarity there. And so maybe that's better than the Hill thing. I think Hill's traits are maybe perhaps more just special. I think I'm more optimistic that McDaniel can scheme him to space like a Debo. I mean, like we've talked a lot this offseason about who's the next Debo and this and that. Well, Tyreek Hill is a guy that could, like we've joked a lot that nobody is the next Debo. But Tyreek Hill is a guy that can actually provide some of the wiggle and explosiveness and things that Debo provides. If you want to talk about somebody who could be used similarly and actually create some of the explosive plays and actually do some of the things that make Debo great, Tyreek Hill is a guy that might actually be able to, you know, to, to provide that to an offense. And so if he winds up um, reaping those benefits that we had talked about potentially Waddle being used in those ways, but yeah, I don't know. I guess I, I guess I still think Hill from a just so much of what Adams and Rogers did was timing and everything, and Hill from a, a a sheer athleticism standpoint might be able to continue to create with sort of that returner like ability with the ball in his hands, continue to create some of these big plays even if he doesn't have this great downfield quarterback. It I, I don't know. It's a tough question. I mean, they're very similar situations in the ways the the ways that they're they've lost their value. That's one we'll have a lot of time to answer. Sean, we're over an hour. I think probably we should wrap up pretty soon. Uh, it, for anyone who's still watching, please like and subscribe. We're trying to get the subscribers up on the Rotovis channel. Do uh, do everyone over at Rotovis a big solid. Sean, is there anything else that we haven't hit on that we definitely need to, or I should have grilled you about that you were afraid that I was going to ask about with the Chiefs that the that, that people need to hear before we go? Well, what's your bold prediction for how this all plays out. I, you know that I'm going to come up with a positive spin. Yeah. It, can, are, are you telling me now Chiefs fourth place in the AFC West? What, what's their <laughs> what's their outlook? Um, I'm not going there. I, I will say that the Chiefs um, don't win the division this year. That'll be. I mean, I don't know how bold that is, but I'll say they don't win the. I'll say that in the first half of the year they struggle, um, and that either the Chargers, who I think will now win the division or potentially the Broncos win the division. I think ultimately Kansas city is going to be back on top in like 2024 and beyond, but I do think there will be some adjustment necessary. They've had their adjustment periods in regular seasons in the past. I think they're going to be good. Don't get me wrong. I just don't think they're going to be firing all cylinders immediately. And, and maybe that's 
I'm going to look really bad because that was sort of like what we thought in Mahomes' first MVP season was like, yeah, he could be really good. And this offense could be really good, but they're probably not going to fire on all cylinders right away. And then he came out and went 5,050. I mean, this could also be a scenario where they come out and just torch. Um, but I do think, number one, I don't think they're going to fill out the rest of their receiver core as efficiently as we're thinking, where they actually get fuller and they get the right rookie receivers. That's just It just never happens that way. But I do think they're going to have some some adjustment periods in the first half of the year, kind of fall a couple games behind, ultimately not win the, the division and, and get into the playoffs as a wild card. That'll be – it's not really that bold, but that'll be my, my opinion. Well, and that kind of did spur one other little thought for me, which is that – what's the situation now for Travis Kelsey? Is he going to break every tight end record next year with having wow. Patrick Mahomes and these guys to just enough talent to force the defense to play honest? Or is he now going to get the Tony Gonzalez treatment? Not that Tony Gonzalez couldn't get through a lot of that. We know what Tony Gonzalez did, but is he going to get the Tony Gonzalez treatment and we have Mark Andrews and TJ Hawkinson and Albert O finish ahead of him? Wow. <laughs> I want to, I want to hear number one, your bold prediction and also your answer to that, because I can see both arguments there. I, I, I've been concerned about Kelsey's age for a couple of years. He's continued to perform very well. So, I mean, I, I certainly am not just jumping in and saying he's going to have, he's going to break every tight end record at the same time. It, I, he's continued to perform very well. He's still playing at the top of his game. And I don't think that's impossible for the reasons you just said without Tyreek Hill there, it might make, Travis Kelsey be that much more dependent, like Mahomes more dependent on him in the early part of the season when I was talking about the other stuff gelling. He might be having to go to to Kelsey so much, and I think they would still be pretty successful, pretty efficient, even in additional you know defensive attention situations like you're referencing with Gonzalez. But I want to know your take on both of those. You you put them on me, but what what are you thinking? I think he'll be close. I don't I'm, I don't think he's going to get the absolute top, but I think he's going to be close. I think. I'm going to say, I know that you're right and that they're not going to execute. As you mentioned, it just never works out that way. But I'm going to say they add enough talent that there are some other things defenses have to adjust for. And then we talk about the age for players and sort of the age cliffs and the reasons to be concerned or at least price conscious, both in terms of dynasty trades, you know, where you're looking at some of these players in redraft. But when you're talking about guys who perform well into their 30s, you're looking for superstars you're looking for people who are not showing any signs of decline and you're showing people who are looking for people who are healthy and so the players who have managed to defy the odds are players who fit what kelsey has been doing right and so we love the way that he's playing i mean you look at last year's playoffs some of the key catches some of the run after the catch types of plays he's just so so good and I think with that, and with Patrick Mahomes, it is going to work out. There'll be situations, especially probably down by the goal line, where he's got multiple guys and they're just saying, let anybody else score. You know, we don't think that Michael Hardman can run a pattern into the end zone. Maybe a manufactured touch scores for him. But they'll be looking at some of those types of things. So there is risk, I think, especially in terms of his touchdown total. The yardage numbers, I think, are going to be insane. But in terms of finishing number one, Look out for for Russell Wilson and and your guy Albert O, right? Oh, Albert O is going to be the overall top tight end. Is that what Sean loves? We if you get Sean past an hour, an hour ten, he loves to sneak in these takes that are just really hot. This is why you always got to listen till the end of Stealing Bananas. Uh, so Albert O's tight end one overall is what I just heard. Look out for him. You don't want to be on the other end of that. 
So what about the Chiefs, uh, your optimistic, bold prediction? They win the Super Bowl this year? Is that it? I mean, is it that boring? Well, yeah, I mean, I think that you're right back there in this Final Four. We'll, we'll put Herbert in the Final Four with them this year and have Burrow, have Allen. Let's say back-to-back overtime victories the Chiefs win the coin toss, go down and score in both of them, just because that makes everyone happy, right? <laughs> and then obviously they're going to come back and uh, get revenge to defeat Tom Brady and the Buccaneers in the Super Bowl. There it is. There it is. Chiefs over the Bucks, Super Bowl champions without Tyreek Hill. This was a super fun live stealing bananas. We're going to have to do more of this. Again, like, subscribe uh, on YouTube. Really helps out the channel. Um, but this was super, super fun. Sean, I'll have to do more of these. We we literally decided this less than a half an hour before we, we went to it. I was like, I just want to go live with you right now. Cause I didn't know if we'd have the trade details yet either. And I was like, well, everything we talk about might be stale by the afternoon. Anyway, if the trade details come out way different than the angles we went with, we got the trade details right before we went live, but we just decided, Hey, we're going to go live. We're going to do it. We're going to do it live. And, uh, I had a blast. This was a lot of fun. Well, Ben, thanks so much for recommending this and helping to facilitate it, supporting the channel. For anyone who is not subscribed to Stealing Signals, you missed a great article yesterday from Ben. He'll have some more of those for you shortly, and we'll talk about some more of that on our episodes of Stealing Bananas that will be coming to you over the next couple of weeks. But obviously, we had to do a special episode today. I'm Sean Siegel. With me, as always, is Ben Gretsch, whom you can follow at Yards Per Gretsch. Subscribe to Ceiling Signals. Uh, if you want to join us at Rotoviz, we would love to have you there as well. We've had so much content on free agency. We've got some cool strategy pieces to help you win. In best ball, we have Dynasty covered with the second episode of the Rookie Guide. I should say second volume of the Rookie Guide there. If you want a 10% discount to Rotoviz, use the coupon code RVRADIO2022 at checkout. Thanks, everyone who is listening to the pod. Subscribe to the feed to get these as soon as they come out. We didn't record last night. I'm going to say that's because we knew we were going to have news we had to cover this morning. Uh, subscribe to the feed. Leave us a rating and review if you can. Uh, we appreciate you guys so much. Thanks, everyone, who joined us live. We'll talk to you guys soon. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.